What is going on, college basketball world? This is another episode of No Vertical Podcast brought to you by your hosts, Alex and Billy. This week on the podcast, we're going to break down a pivot in the podcast itself um, and some break developments going on between Syracuse, St. John's, and UB basketball. We also take a dig at another school that might have given us some trouble in the offseason. Get ready and stay tuned for another episode of the No Vertical Podcast. Welcome back to No Vertical Podcast with your hosts, Billy and Alex. Um, So I think we're just going to start out with uh, a bit of a background that we're shifting the podcast over to a pretty much New York uh, college basketball-based podcast versus a uh, national-based podcast. But that's not to say that we're not going to bring up teams here and there um, from outside the New York area. Um. So specifically today, we're going to be hitting on uh, the struggling Syracuse Orange that Alex is definitely not a fan yeah. of right now. Um, <laughs> let's, let's avoid that <laughs> term for as much as we can. Um, then we're going to head into uh, St. John's potentially, you know, being one of the top dogs in the Big East with a pretty ragtag group that they've seemed to put together. But, you know, the, the wavering nature of the Big East right now, it's... Who knows who's going to be at the top by the end of the season. And lastly, we'll close it out with uh, the resurgence of Buffalo, you know, coming back and, oh, yeah. and taking down a big dog in West Virginia. So uh, let's get right into it with uh, Syracuse, Alex. Uh, have you break down yeah. Cuse a little bit for us? Yeah, they haven't looked very good so far this year. Um, they started out pretty light in their schedule, you know, with, not too much of a challenge and some out of conference games and they they ran over both of those teams pretty easily and then we got into this uh early season tournament against uh Yukon and Oregon and it seems that the the boys just fell apart a little bit i mean obviously eastern washington and morehead state aren't going to give you as much of a challenge as Yukon or a 13th ranked Oregon team, but, you know, I expected a little bit better of a showing. Um, the Yukon game was a little bit of a blunder due to Yukon hitting so many threes in that game. I think they hit 12 threes or something along those lines. Um, and that definitely wasn't something that was in the program for that Yukon team. So that was took them a little bit by surprise. I would have expected Beheim to change up the zone a little bit and at least extend it out a little bit more to try to take away those long-distance shots. But, you know, just didn't come to fruition like that. Um, And then against that Oregon team, up until halfway through the first half, it was a decently contested game. And then Oregon just started taking it over a little bit more. They started playing a little bit more cohesively. Um, The big storyline coming out of Syracuse is still that Frank Howard is out of the lineup at this point. Um, still battling with a long-standing injury that occurred at the towards the end of the season last year and then has been plaguing him a little bit since. But, you know, they're expecting him back any time and I think he'll be the he'll be the key to get the offense going a little bit, but you know, it's 
it it didn't look very good. I'll say that. Um, the the uh, the one bright spot has been the two freshmen. Jalen Carey has been playing pretty well. I mean, he had 26 points in that game against UConn, and Elijah Hughes has been playing really well. So that's been a nice, uh, at least a little bit of a change. But, you know, I just think that Frank Howard being out of the lineup has taken a little bit more of a toll than they were expecting. Um but yeah, hopefully we can turn around sometime soon. You know, um, they weren't ready for the the beast that Bull Bull turned out to be. He hit some ridiculous shots, and his stat line was just insane. So they clearly weren't ready for that. I mean, he's a hard guy to to practice for and to try to scout for. So I think that he took them by surprise a little bit. Anybody that can play inside and outside like that is always going to be pretty successful against the zone, but we'll see how the rest of the season shakes out. Yeah, I mean, you have a guy north of seven feet hitting a three-pointer. You know, it's pr- pretty pretty hard to defend that. So, right. Um, plus, as you mentioned before, that UConn three-point offense, I mean, they shot 57% from three. Like, not really, not really what uh, – Dan Hurley was expecting there, but, uh, you know, he'll take it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think he'll take it. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, this, the offensive struggles for Syracuse this year have, have certainly also plagued them. I mean, in the game, I'm just going over the the box score real quick against Oregon. I mean, they shot 17.9% from three. I mean, that you're not going to win too many games when you're shooting that poorly from three point land. So, I mean, maybe, uh, you know, we'll see that turn around. But, I mean, the struggles for battle from three have continued. Um, Brissett went one for nine from three. So, you know, you, you got to get these guys going. Yeah, part part of that problem is a little bit of those two trying to do a little bit too much, which has been the case in the past. The three-point game has been a bit of a struggle since the since pre, last season. So, um they just didn't pick up anybody, either a grad transfer or a uh, incoming freshman like they had in the in the past years. You know, uh, two years ago we got Andrew White. Before that, we had Trevor Cooney. So they don't have anybody that can stretch the floor consistently and be a threat from outside. Luckily, I know this is a little bit early to be giving up on the season, and I'm not saying that I'm completely giving up on the season. But next year we have Joe Girard coming in, which is going to be huge because that kid has the the stroke of somebody that you know Syracuse hasn't seen in a while. So in the future, things are looking up. That's that's at least a little bit of a a looking forward point at this point. And as you mentioned, uh, Joe Girard, all time leading scorer, I believe, in New York State in uh, right. the high school level. So that'll definitely be interesting to see. And uh, also, I mean, interesting to see how uh, Buddy Beheim will uh, continue his career with Syracuse, you know, the son of Coach Beheim, um, Sure. touted as a, as a pretty good three-point shooter. Hasn't really shown up yet, but he is also a freshman, so things to consider there. Right, um, and in some of those earlier games, he was a little bit more successful with the shot, I think, as the the competition got a little bit higher up there, they... Beheim stuck with his more consistent players. He's not 
not going to play favorites just because his son's on the team. But, you know, there's always going to be a little bit of him wanting to play his own son. Um, I think the, the, like you said, the best opportunity for him to get on the floor is going to be consistently hitting threes at a, at a good clip. So if you can start doing that, man, I'm all for it. And I mean, there's, there's really no nepotism going on there. And you know that because they couldn't even spell the kid's name right Right. on uh, the back of his Jersey the other night against UConn. So it was a little brutal. (laughs) It was one of, one of a few blunders that happened in those two games, uh, I'll be a little remiss to say uh, Marek Dolajai getting absolutely annihilated on that highlight dunk wasn't kind of funny, but at the same time a little demoralizing. <laughs> yeah, hate to see that. And Dolajai hasn't really uh, played as many, nearly as many minutes as he did towards the end of the year last year. So interesting right. to see if he gets any more playing time with the struggling starting five uh, the way it is right now. Um. And then just moving on, I mean, the 2K Classic was not their best showing. Um, but they still have a few more opportunities to uh, help clear up their, their uh, out-of-conference schedule. I know they have Buffalo uh, coming up, I believe, in was that, December? They're playing Buffalo? Yeah, um, sometime in December. They also have Ohio State. So, I mean, there's, there's opportunities there to uh, try and correct what the, the, the slight stray of Bayheim's course yeah, absolutely. You know, anytime you have a a ranked out of conference team, it's always going to be a helpful uh, builder to your confidence and to your resume. Um, so if Buffalo remains in the top twenty five at the point when we reach them, uh, I be- it seems like that game is December eighteenth. Um, that'll definitely help build up the team a little bit. Um, I think the whole Darius Basley thing uh, took a little bit of a toll on the, the morale of the team, too, especially just because he was such a highly touted freshman coming in. I mean, I know that they didn't uh, he didn't never play with them, but you're always going to have that in the back of your mind, that you're going to have this pretty dominant player that was going to be a successful player for your team that forewent the NCAA and uh, – is no longer with you. So I think that'll be a little bit less of an impact down the road, but at the start of the season, it would have helped. Okay. So um, looking down the rest of their schedule, I see that they're playing Georgetown, which should be an interesting game, you know, uh, old school big East rivalry there. I mean, Georgetown isn't, isn't exactly, you know, the highest competition these days. But they're definitely turning the program around down there, so it'll be interesting to see how that uh, squares off. Um, Pivoting over to uh, St. John's out of uh, Queens, New York. So they recently their starting center, Sadie Keita, um, for at least four to six weeks. um, uh, Had arthroscopic knee surgery. Um, I mean, everything's... Apparently the surgery went well. Everything's going according to plan, but he's still going to be out for four to six weeks. And the the Red Storm clearly missed him again in their game against Bowling Green. Um, they were getting destroyed down low, and Marvin Clark was in some foul trouble. So it's going to be a big storyline for the Red Storm uh, this season, especially in the out-of-conference, to see how they can cope with the loss of their starting center. Um, move, moving on to... Uh, uh, their most recent game last night, 
um, against Rutgers. Uh, mm-hmm. The Red Storm shot them out of the arena last night from three-point land. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I, I've never seen them shoot that well. They shot 50% from three. It was pretty similar to what UConn um, did the other night at the Garden. Uh, right. And, uh, you know, uh, Shamori Pons wasn't even a factor in this game. He <laughs> only He only shot... 30% from the field, um, one from five from three, and the rest of the team was just really rallying around him to pick him up, and I think that's something that the, the Red Storm definitely lacked in previous years under uh, the Mullen era. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's always going to be helpful to get a, a uplift from the rest of the team, especially when your star player isn't playing up to the level his cal- of his caliber, so it's good to see that especially for you, it's good to see that the rest of the team was able to, to lift him up a little bit. Yeah, and, and uh, interesting to see that Mullen opted not to go with the other player that really could be listed as a center on the team, the freshman Josh Roberts. Um, Mullen just sat him and the rest of the freshmen out the rest of the game until about three minutes left in the, in the matchup, and uh, it was definitely nice to see how Marvin Clark only I believe six seven was able to fill that role as the big man for the team. So I mean, it's nice to definitely get some uh, impact play out of other players when Pond's down, and especially when we don't have a center to fill that void as a big. So I mean, just seeing how the whole team could step up and adapt gave me some some you know uh, hope for the future. But <laughs> sure, see how it goes, especially with the Big East this year. Um, they lost the Gavit tip-off the uh, past couple of years. It's been tied four games apiece between them and the Big Ten. And uh, this was the first first year in the last four that they actually lost the series 5-3. to three. And uh, surprising teams that actually got some wins. I mean, I don't know if I'd call it surprising for St. John's since they played Rutgers, who is the perennial bottom feeder of the Big Ten. Sure. But uh DePaul actually ended up with the win in this series. So that was pretty nice to oh, see. Oh wow, you know? okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. a, a nice little culture shift there maybe. Um but yeah, I mean overall really balanced game from from the Johnnies in in hostile territory down in Piscataway. Um LJ Figueroa, the transfer, the JUCO transfer, really shining this season so far with St. John's. Um so was Mustafa Heron, the big transfer that they got eligible uh, to start this year off from Auburn. Um, yeah, him, yeah. And, him and Pons hopefully looking to go to the NBA after this year. But, I mean, what Mustafa Haran, uh, Haran has, uh, sorry, has contributed to this team so far has been incredible. Yeah, I mean, speaking from past experience, anytime you get a player uh, that's a transfer, grad transfer, something along those lines, coming from a team that, was already doing pretty well, and uh, that player has had success. Uh, it's always a big lift to your team. Um, we've had some some solid transfers ourselves in past years, so that was obviously a big get for them, and I know how excited you were when it happened, so it's good to see that it's coming full circle and it's helping out already this early in the season. Yeah, I mean, when you can't recruit uh, kids out of high school, you might as well go the transfer route, and that seems yeah, to be what's been working for St. John's. Um, and it seems like a lot of other schools around the country um, going that JUCO or 
grad transfer route. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the season progresses for the Johnnies. Um, they have the tournament coming up in Brooklyn. Their first game is going to be against Cal. Um, so that'll be an interesting matchup. I mean, I, I don't really anticipate too much there. Um, the Johnnies should get the win there. Um, and hopefully uh, move on in that tournament. But I don't know. I mean, so far, I mean, the out-of-conference schedule for St. John's is extremely light, and that could, if they have any poor losses, come back to haunt them because the Big East, like we mentioned, is very down this year. So Absolutely. It's going to be it's gonna be a crapshoot to see if they can actually make the, uh, the tournament with a few bad losses on a resume, which hopefully they won't have. But you know St. John's, where there's a will, there's a way sometimes. Yeah, um, I feel like Cal is always kind of an up and down team. I don't know too much about them this year. I don't know too. I honestly don't know too much about the Pac-12 this year and how good they're going to be. But you know, I'd expect at least a little bit of a resistance and a little bit of a fight from them. But you know, you never, you never can tell this early in the season. So it'll be interesting to see how that game unfolds. Yeah, and I mean, uh, they they clearly haven't always excelled and played great basketball when they've had to play down, so to say, to their competitions, especially being down at home to Bowling Green um, right before they played Rutgers. So we'll see what Mullen has in store for them, and uh, we'll see what they're able to accomplish the rest of the season. Um, So moving on, I know I've been wanting to talk about it, our alma mater, Buffalo, has just been the mid-major story of the year so far for oh, yeah, college absolutely. basketball. I mean, the likes of uh, Dick Vitale <laughs> praising CJ, according to him, Massengale. So that was interesting. <laughs> As you know, CJ Massenberg went off against West Virginia for 43 points and 14 boards yeah. um, down in Nine hostile territory. Nine in that game, I believe. Yeah, I mean, the the kid couldn't miss. Um, but I, I mean, what Nate Oates has been able to do and the culture that he's created up in Buffalo is, is remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. And nice to see a, a shift in culture in that school. Um, would have been nicer to see it when we were still there, (laughs) you know, but I'll take it. Yeah. I mean, uh, go ahead. I mean, just the winning culture that they've been able to to create there. I mean, last five games, I think it is now, four out of those five wins going back to last season. Um, the only loss on that on the last five games would have been that Kentucky loss in the tournament that they had um, in the round of 32. But, I mean, quality, quality wins in this time. Uh, that last win they had was against Southern Illinois, which was a tough game on the road. Southern Illinois' team is projected to do very well this year. Um, so really just to see, and that was a gritty game, came down to defense in that one, um, but Buffalo was able to pull it off, and they just keep on recruiting. I know they just uh, picked up a few uh, commits on National Signing Day, so, I mean, what what they're able to do up there is, is remarkable. Um, yeah, and you got to give a lot of credit to Bobby Hurley when he was still at the school for instilling a, a good culture in the kids that were still there. Um, I think that he honestly has a lot to do with the success that they are having now because prior to him being there, they were 
the lowest rung on the totem pole, and they honestly weren't challenging very many teams. Um, so the presence of Bobby Hurley and then obviously the s- sort of controversial uh, departure of Bobby Hurley, but, you know, credit to him for building a culture of winning and allowing Nate Oates to come in and just continue that even farther and really take them to the next level of where they needed to be. Yeah, and I mean, without Hurley there, you might not have never gotten Nate Oates there because Nate Oates was his assistant there. So, right, you know, what Hurley was able to do for this program and what Nate Oates has continued to do for this program. And, I mean, the, the city as a whole because there's really no – there's a big basketball void up in Buffalo. Um, so it's been incredible. And, I mean, looking forward at their schedule, they did not really give themselves a ton of gimmies um, you know, you have uh, Syracuse coming up. They have the home set against Southern Illinois. Uh, Marquette, I mean. Yeah, Marquette's going to be a tough a tough matchup for sure. Plus, I mean, pretty much the second game of the year coming out against West Virginia. Um, so they, they really were looking to show the world what they got this year, and they got the world's attention. Uh, oh, Massenburg's yeah. been getting looked at by a ton of scouts lately for the NBA, so. It'll be interesting to see what happens to him um, come draft time and how the rest of the year can can uh, develop for him. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of people don't think too much about the mid-majors and about the teams that don't have the big name attached to them. But if you look at a, a player that really changes the team, uh, I, I actually had the ability to watch them play last year was uh, at Boise State. That that kid Hutchinson, they got signed by the that got drafted by the Bulls in the first round. You know, all it takes is one player to make a team successful. And scouts recognize talent. It's not always about the having the the winning history, but I think that the kid's got a lot of heart, and he's obviously come a long way in his career at UB. So it's nice to see that people are finally giving him recognition. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. And and even moving off that, um, I know in the in previous years, you know, usually it was either football um, taking the reins um, and being that headlining sport at UB. Um, I know they made a, a bowl game when we were there, and there was some talk then about possibly moving out of the MAC. Um, right. how, how would you feel if, you know, considering what football has been doing lately and what basketball has been able to do, how would you feel about them pursuing maybe a spot in the Big Ten or the Big East or um, another one of the power conferences? Do you think that would be a wise move for Buffalo right now? Yeah, I think it would be. You know, that if they are able to continue to recruit the players that are going to help them be successful against these teams that are currently out of their own conference, I think that it's always a smart move to – attempt to achieve a little bit more competition um comparing them to the Syracuse move that happened a couple years back where they moved from the Big East to the ACC that was all about you know a little bit about money I think but also at the same time they were trying to get a little bit more competition because the Big East had been you know not the same as it had been in recent years and there was a shift towards the 
the ACC, the Big Ten, the Pac-12 as the more dominant conferences at the time. So it's never a bad move for a team to that's having as much success in their own division as UB is having right now and attempting to at least try to get into a little bit more of a competitive conference as a, as a means of allowing themselves to advance even that much further. And I think the uh, recruiting will get a little bit easier if they do change into a different conference because then those players will start to see their opportunities grow a little bit more as they start to get more national recognition, more um, exposure to uh, national television. So I think that it'll only benefit them in the long run, even if it is a little bit of a bumpy start, which would be expected playing more high competition more often. But I think it'll be in the long run a smart move if they do end up making that that decision. And I agree with you. And I mean, you know, not to poo-poo any other programs, but I mean – you have teams like Rutgers in the Big Ten, DePaul in the Big East that are pretty much perennial bottom feeders um, that, you know, I'm not saying they need to be replaced, but I'm also, you know, trying to say here is Buffalo is a top 25 school right now, um, just out of top 25 in football. You know, you, you're building up a program that, you know, is getting a little bit too big and might outgrow the max soon. As much as I love, uh, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday night action for football on ESPN and right. uh, how Big Cat from Barstool always reps Maction, um, <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd love to be able to see them on some nationally televised games more so than they are now. You know, it, I know we've discussed it and how annoying uh, ESPN Plus is and having to pay extra uh, just to watch the Bulls play. Um, it can be it can be a pain, and and being able to see them on uh, nationally televised uh, media outlets would be, you know, a big step in the right direction. I think for that program, and uh, like you said, recruiting would definitely open up. I mean, they're getting quality kids in now, um, but I I know that they do a hell of a job recruiting. You know, nonstop. Nate Oates is always on the trail with the rest of the coaches. Um, but it would it would certainly make their life a lot easier, I think. And it also would, I think, appeal to Nate Oates. I mean, the guy, he's a hardworking guy. I don't think he's going to jump ship anytime soon. But, I mean, if, if UB is getting serious about athletics here, I mean, you've got to consider this guy, if you don't get serious about athletics, this guy is a top-caliber coach that, you know, any other school would be willing to do a lot for. So I think it would be in, in UB's best interest to definitely – try and uh, move on up maybe the Big Ten. I think they'd fit in really well there. Um, travel wouldn't be too bad of an issue there with, with the Big Ten or really the Big East, you know, the way it's all spread out now. It's not like the old days where you all were, had them concentrated uh, towards one area. So I think either one of those two leagues would be uh, very happy to take in Buffalo, and at the same time um, it would work well for Buffalo. I mean, the only thing with the Big East would be football-wise they'd have to find another conference. Um, yeah, that's that's true. The, but it, I, it's pretty rare for a team to be in two different conferences for two different sports, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it happens, but it, it's a pretty, pretty rare situation for that. Um, I think in terms of simplicity, it's, it's a lot easier to just be in one league. Um, but I know the Big Ten's getting a little crowded, so if they're ever trying to do a swap – 
you know who's going. I think that would be Rutgers. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what Buffalo has in store coming up. They play Dartmouth on the 21st, um, and that's going to be on ESPN+. Plus. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, just to wrap up the podcast, you know, we have Cuse's struggles. Hopefully they'll they'll be able to shake them, especially the three-point shooting. Um, St. John's, hopefully the balanced scoring will continue in the wake of uh, the injury to Kata. UB succeeding uh, with C.J. Massenberg leading the way. Um, and just a quick dig that we have to bring up, definitely, <laughs> when we were running that uh, college basketball uh, Who is New York's Team poll on Twitter, we got a lot of hate for not including St. Bonaventure. And I think that this year is a pretty good indication of why we didn't include uh, the Bonnies. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, come on, one and two to start the year, losses to Bucknell and Niagara. Is this really? Is this really representative of New York basketball? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> so uh, hopefully their year improves. You know, you hate. You know, I'm not rooting against them here, except for when they play Buffalo exactly. and Syracuse. That, yeah. I'm de- that I'm definitely rooting Absolutely. against. Absolutely. Um, all right. Thanks everyone for listening. Make sure to subscribe on, um, whatever medium you like to listen to our podcast. We're available on several, um, and have a great rest of the week and enjoy, uh, some New York college hoops. Yeah. Thanks guys. Have a good one.